everyone. Welcome back to the Busy Blooming podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the Busy Blooming community. If you guys are new, hi, my name's Tess. I'm 24 and Busy Blooming is not just a podcast. It's actually our newest platform to Busy Blooming. Ironically, it's our biggest platform, which has happened so crazy fast. You guys are amazing. So anyways, Busy Blooming, make sure to go join the community. We have a Facebook group full of women in their 20s chatting about jobs, asking for raises, something weirds going on at work, relationships, just like anything that to do with life in your 20s and post-grad is in the Facebook group. So go join, comment something, post something if you need advice. We also have an Instagram where you can take over. We have someone take over every Tuesday, someone from our community. We also have a blog with some resume templates, email templates, blog posts. We also have a LinkedIn and we have a TikTok. The TikTok, it's, you know, it's getting there. It's, it's a little sad right now, but go go follow the TikTok. Things are coming. So anyways, that's everything that's going on at Busy Blooming. And so I would love to have you join the community if you guys are new. In the intro, either myself or Alexis, our social media manager, and I will chat through some of your guys' submissions from the community, your thoughts, questions, and things about the week's topic. So I'm going to do that in a second. Alexis, we're having some audio issues, so it's just me again (laughs) this week. So we're going to get there, you guys. Like one day, we will have perfect audio, but in the meantime, you're stuck with me in the intro, but... Anyways, um, this week, I'm so excited for the guest. We have Emily Merrill on the podcast. It was such a treat to have her on the podcast. I feel just so lucky (laughs) that she wanted to come on. It was such a fun episode. We chatted all about life in her 20s and going from working at like Ralph Lauren and Club Monaco to starting her own business, dating, finding your person, asking for a raise, being a woman in business, having confidence as a woman in business. It was just such a good, like, well-rounded episode, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. But before we get into it, I wanted to just read off a couple of your submissions for this week's intro. So we asked you on Instagram, go follow us at BusyBlooming with two Gs. We're never getting that BusyBlooming handle with with the one G. I have tried (laughs) my hardest. It is my Everest trying to get that handle. Anyway, go follow us on Instagram at Busy Blooming with two G's. And we asked you a question that I would just, I want to read a few of my favorite answers and we'll post the rest on the stories as well. Um, But anyways, we asked you, what is something you've learned as a woman in business slash a woman at work? I thought this was a good question for this week because Emily just chatted a lot about this and like her experience and her tips and all that good stuff. I'm just going to read through a few of them and then we'll get into the episode. So I feel like this is just good like pump up for all of us listening because if you guys are new, this community is like 99.99% women in their 20s. So, you know, we, we got to stick together and build each other up. So somebody said... No need for excessive exclamation points or smiley faces in emails. I feel this so much. And if you guys saw the Instagram post that went up last week about the percentage of our day that we spend with like overthinking exclamation points in an email, you you understand me. So anyways, I love that. Somebody said around 30% of women don't negotiate their salary. Don't be part of that percentage. Somebody said people underestimate you. You don't need to prove yourself to anyone. Somebody said to always be you and stand up for what you believe in, even if you're scared. 
And finally, somebody said, ask for more money. Men do it and they always get it. <laughs> so I just want to leave those here. Those are a few of my favorites. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for answering this week's question. And before we get into the episode, I want to say a big happy Canadian Thanksgiving. I think about half of our audience is in Canada, including both myself in Toronto and Alexis in Halifax. So we're a Canadian bunch over here. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody and Canada. And with all that being said, let's Let's get into the episode with Emily. Okay, so we're here with Emily Merrill on the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to be here. It feels, you know, it's like when some people are meant to be driven and some people are, or some people are meant to drive and some people are meant to be driven. I feel like I drive a lot. So it feels really nice to be driven. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I feel like we're going to learn so much today. I'm just so excited to like hear your thoughts and your life story and just like everything. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I feel so excited to talk about it and talk about my 20s. And it's so yeah. weird to think that that chapter's over. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like that's the best perspective sometimes because I think, you know, I'm almost 25 and I I almost feel like, oh my God, when I was 20, like I yeah. I can't even imagine now for you. You're like, okay, let me actually tell you like how this goes. <laughs> okay, so before we jump in, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, what your days look like so we can just learn about you? Sure. Uh, so hi, everyone. I, my name is Emily Merrill. I am the founder of a female-focused networking organization called Six Degrees Society. We handpick who you meet while networking at every single event. And what started off as in real life has pivoted digitally thanks to a small global pandemic we had a few years ago. And now I am also a business coach for solopreneurs, who, and I help them scale their business through events, partnerships, and community. Um, I'm also a podcast host where I host a podcast called The Sixth Degree, and I get a girl, my guest on things that make them tick and find out their story. So um, my day, oh, that's such a good question. So I am um, an early riser. I love, and I don't know when this started or why this started. I think it's being on the West Coast and having a lot of emails in your inbox <laughs> by the time you wake up. Yeah it's kind of scary and daunting and intimidating, but I started waking up at five in the morning and I love it because it's dark and it's cozy and I'm going to take my time. And I, I really started doing a morning routine, which I probably would poo-pooed people's morning routines for years until I found my own that worked for me. But I do, I do about 10 minutes of journaling, 20 minutes of reading, and then 30 minutes of working out. And then I get usually the hardest thing that I need done that day done. And then mm -hmm. I start meeting with my team who are based in different countries. I was telling Tess, they're ones in Macedonia, ones in Argentina. Um, I meet with them at 7.30 and 7.45 a.m. just for check-ins to see what they're working on that day. And then I dive into to my work and client calls and events. And I love that you start the day with doing like one of the hardest things on your to-do list. That is such a good thing to do. Well, it's nice because it's like the one time that I don't know if you feel this way and that, you know, you get pulled and pinged and there's all the emails coming in and you're like, shoot, no, I should switch over, switch gears and do this instead. And yeah, like the one thing that you probably should do and will move the needle in your business, but you don't want to do because it's scary and it's daunting and it's hard. So I try to do that first. Yeah. And then like all day, it's just in your head of like, oh my God, I have to do this. And then you kind of feel like you're procrastinating all day by doing other stuff. So then the tasks you are doing are less rewarding in a way. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a good tip. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Try doing it and see how it, it, 
you'll like hate yourself in the moment as you do it, but then the rest of the day you're walking on clouds. Okay. So before we get into all of our topics today, a question we ask every single guest, and I would love to hear your answer to this is if you could go back to yourself at 18, Mm -hmm. what is something you would tell your 18 year old self? I would tell her to take the job um, in sales that was commission-based. Okay. That really scared <laughs> <Yeah>. her <laughs> because I was so anxious. I was so anxious at, at being, I don't know, having a job, being paid, being bad at something, failure mm-hmm. really scared me. Um, and I thought sales was super scary and gross and icky. And now I accidentally do sales every single day and having <laughs> my own business. And I just wish I had put been, I had put myself in a more uncomfortable place. And to follow up on that too, I would have, um, I, w- I started my career in fashion and high luxury fashion, which I'm really grateful for, but I would have aimed higher and looked at like what a tech company looks like. What does it look like to work at a company like Google? What does it look like to work in corporate real estate? What does it look like to work in kind of a company that I thought was more masculine and more male dominated? And make myself that much more uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I love that answer. That's so interesting. I want to dive into that more too. Um, (laughs) Psychologically, basically, I feel like I could have learned a lot from those people. Yeah, totally. Well, let's just jump right in. I would love to hear about your story and your business is so amazing. Anyone like listening, go check out the Instagram, the content, like it is so, so helpful. Um, so when you started your career and then you think about where you are now, like, do you think you'd be surprised or is this kind of what you always wanted to do? I'm not surprised that I'm an entrepreneur because I always had that entrepreneurial spirit bubbling up in me, but I Mm -hmm. thought entrepreneurship stupidly or foolishly. I always thought it was like, it had to be a tactical thing I created. Like I I had to create the next candle or like I needed to create a product. So it felt like cheating to create a service or to Mm -hmm. create having, creating a community didn't feel like a business because it was easy to me. (laughs) This isn't real. (laughs) Um, so And my mom was an entrepreneur growing up and she designed menu covers for hotels and for restaurants. So she had like a tangible product and I got to see like the creation and the stage. So when I started Six Degrees, I was working full-time in high luxury fashion and then I had the dream job and people were reaching out to me on LinkedIn being like, how did you get your job? And I was like, I don't know if I love my job. And I feel so disingenuous telling people to go to tech or go somewhere else and not do, do this. But, um, I always had that itch of just like doing something for myself. So I, even when I entered the corporate world, I kind of felt like I was an undercover entrepreneur, just like Mm -hmm. absorbing and learning and processes and flows and communication styles. It doesn't surprise me, but it also is, would have been so hard for me to fathom at 18. Like, wait, you can make a job out of community. That's so crazy. Yeah. I know you mean, cause you, you think like, oh, I have to go on like Shark Tank or something like <laughs> that is being a business owner. And it's so not true. Like you, like a business, I think even more business nowadays are just digital. Like it's, there's no like product. And how long did you work um, like corporate nine to five sort of job until you yeah. became an entrepreneur? So when I graduated college, I graduated in 2009 and you may have remembered there was a little recession happening in the world then. Mm -hmm. So it was a great opportunity for me to seize like a, 
a moment where I didn't have to go straight to corporate. So I went to Argentina for a year and I was a Spanish and communications major. So I told my mom, I'm going to go and teach English for three months and I'll be back in three months. And I hated teaching English. I'm not great at teaching English. Don't come to me for English advice. That's for sure. Um, But I found all these entrepreneurs that were down there and I was able to kind of dig into their business and learn from them and just volunteer for them. It's like, Mm -hmm. can I be your intern? Can I be your helper? I just want to learn about you. When I came back to the States, I got this job in New York. I worked at Ralph Lauren was my first job doing special events and marketing. And here I am like coming back from Argentina, kind of hippy dippy in a way. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care about material things. I dated an Argentine guy and he was like, why would you want a diamond? Like, that's so frivolous. And, you know, then I go straight to Ralph Lauren, which is hundred percent materialistic and hundred percent, you know, talking about like luxury, the high end luxury and the quality of the leather and the quality of this, the whole customer journey. Um, So I was a temp at Ralph Lauren and I remember feeling back to the stability that I desired and craved. And I think what scared me from ever taking a sales job was like, I need to have stability. And so I did four months at Ralph Lauren. And then I started applying within the company at, at jobs to see like what, what I could get full time. And I got hired at club Monaco, which funny enough is from Toronto. I don't know that. And then it, yeah. So it's part of the Ralph Lauren brand, but like, kind of like the step sibling of Ralph Lauren. Right. (laughs) So I got hired there and I got hired as a receptionist slash HR coordinator. So big change from events person going to HR, but I love hearing people's stories and I love Mm -hmm. helping people express their stories. And so I was like, oh, HR, this is great. And um, really hated, realized that I hated seeing people constantly churning through jobs. And so I was there about eight months and my boss at Ralph Lauren uh, I had moved over to Tori Birch and she, wow. the person underneath her had left and she thought of me. She was like, I want you to come over and be my, you know, my right-hand gal. So I went over to Ralph, I'm uh, sorry, I went over to Tori Birch and that was, I was there for three and a half years. And then I ended up going, I had started Six Degrees Society when I was at Tori Birch. And then I finished my career at Intermix. And it was at Intermix that I was, I kept trying to I had this void of like, I need something more. I don't know what it is. I kept putting a bandaid on things versus um, looking at what was right in front of me the whole time. That's so cool though. I feel like, yeah, seeing someone like on my LinkedIn, who's like Ralph Lauren and Club Monica, like those are really, really cool jobs. Um, And I think that's like a good message too. It's like, it might look on the outside, like it's this perfect situation, but it's not maybe for you and that's fine. It's for somebody else and that's great. Okay. So when you kind of were like, okay, this is not my vibe. Like I need something new and you kind of transition into entrepreneurship. Like, what was that like? Like, were there certain things you're like, okay, I'm quitting my job and I'm doing this. Or was it like a transition? Like, how did that go? Definitely something I would probably not recommend to most people was how I did it. Okay. <laughs> I went to my 10 year high school reunion and I remember meeting everyone and talking about my day job, which was a really cool day job. Yeah kind of feeling like a deflated balloon. But then when I talked about six degrees, I lit up like a Christmas tree, just like so excited, so passionate. And it just dawned on me. I was like, I need to quit. So I told my mom and my mom could have easily said, you're insane. Like, don't do that. Why are you doing this? And she was like, I think that's a great idea. You're like, not a great person at this job. (laughs) 
oh, okay, thanks, mom. The truth comes out. And she'd been to events and she'd seen how like vibrant I am at the events. And I told my best friends who were like kind of shaky with it, but like you do you boo kind of thing. Right. And I put my resignation in and I think it was like a three weeks. I think I was, it was like three weeks or four weeks. And then I quit. My last day was December 22nd. And then January 1st, 2016 would be like the start of this new version of me. My very long way of answering that about a transition was no, I didn't really give myself much of a, like if I was to do it over, I would have, I would have definitely made sure the market value fit would have, and would have made more sense straight out of the gate and like monetized it to a certain level mm-hmm. versus how I did it. However, on the flip side, I only had $5,000 in my savings account. My rent was $1,700 a month. And I got, it was like as if my body like turned into a furnace, this fire just started burning inside of me where it knew survival mode was on mm-hmm. and it would do anything it needed to, to survive and to make mm-hmm. this metaphorical business baby survive as well. Were you kind of like, are you one of those people who's like success means this for me? And like, this is not success. Like, is that kind of what drove you to be like, I see myself somewhere and this is not where I see myself or just like, I'm just trying to think like for someone listening who might be feeling like the way you were feeling, like this is a cool job. It's just not my thing. Like, you know, how can they kind of define what the next step is? One of the big ahas I had was just looking around my office and not visualizing myself as the director of fill in the blank or the Mm -hmm. CMO here, everything, everything felt not very important to me. Yeah. That was a weird feeling to be like, why are we freaking out? It's (laughs) like, it's not a big deal. And everyone, everything felt like it had to always be a big deal. And it's not. And I even say that to my team sometimes when things don't always go according to plan. And I'm like, it's okay. We're not, we're not solving, you know, we're not solving cancer. We're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. We're making people's lives better. We're enhancing them, but we're not, we're also humans and we can have fuck ups too. I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Like being in a job where everyone's like, and sometimes it's like a weird flex that people have. They're like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. Like I work so late at my job. And it's like, if that to you is like, seems like, what are you doing? I think that's like a really good way to measure it. Well, I think there's that there's a lot of hustle culture and like, yeah, you know, we, we compared business, busyness cards in a way mm-hmm. like, oh, you're only that busy. I'm this busy. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a competition. And now I think I want to believe that there's more of a pullback to be more less FOMO, more JOMO, like mm-hmm. more of the joy of missing out versus yeah. the fear of missing out. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I was totally that girl in New York where I was like, and then I did this and then I did this and then I did this and coming to San Francisco from New York. I was like, it's eight o'clock. I should put my pajamas on. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like I'm a failure. I don't have enough going on because exactly what you said. My, yeah, my success was measured in my busyness. I mean, you've had a lot of different experiences like in business, both on the nine to five side and now like owning your own business. Um, And you recently had a conversation on your Instagram with Victoria and I forget her, what's her last name? Um, She goes Victoria Amia. Victoria Amia. Okay. I'd love to, you guys were talking about, I think she said something like owning your femininity and how you don't need to, you know, exert power through 
through masculine energy. And I thought that was so interesting because I had never really thought about it that way. And could you kind of shed some light on that in a business sense? So like when you're in a workplace or running your own business or an event, like how do you kind of exert that power or maybe confidence um, in your own way? Yeah, definitely. She has so much to say about femininity and masculinity and highly recommend everyone checks her out. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting because all of the places that I worked in the corporate world were essentially glorified sorority houses. You know, I was working with predominantly women and I was also working with predominantly gay men. (laughs) And that was it. Like maybe funny enough, all the straight men were the ones who were like in sea level. Um, I do think there's something to be said about women. I want to touch on this first and then I'll say how I run my business now, but women kind of being fearful of other women And I experienced this in fashion, this, and I think it was a conditioning that my bosses had experienced as well. It was this like, well, you wait your turn. Right. I paid my dues. I am here now be a good girl and wait your turn. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't talk until you're spoken to, to, um, be polite, be quiet. I remember moments again, I loved my boss. Like I, if she ever hears this, like know that I love you. And, but it was also, I was 23 and you know, you're more sensitive. I remember when I would have, I had so many questions and I didn't know how to, this is before Trello systems. This is before Slack. So I'd want to ask her a question. She'd be sitting right next to me. She'd straight up ignore me. So I'd have to then email her and to email and be like, dear so-and-so per my last email, I have a question about X, Y, and Z. Best regards, Emily. I'm like, a minute later, I'd get an email back. Emily, based on your, you know, your question, here's what I thought. Mm -hmm. It it was just such an antiquated way of talking to one another. So while in a way women are, I think they're extraordinary and we're all extraordinary. Women in a way kind of play they, they, they regress back to like their childhood cattiness and childhood pettiness in a way of in conditioning. So in terms of at least how I now run my business, I've, I think I run it pretty much from the feminine in that I, I wouldn't call myself a polished person. I think I'm like a B plus person of life. I'm not like a perfectionist. Um, and that took some time to get over as well as just not everything has to be perfect. Like this is what you see is kind of what you get. <laughs> yeah. You like it or not. Yeah. But incorporating so many different elements of yourself into your business. So for example, where I think the masculine is very like business first, I like talking about my personal life and integrating it into my business. Like I share my own vulnerabilities. I'm not hiding that side of my life to people that I would potentially do business with. I love everything you said. I think we do get pressured sometimes to shut off our emotions at work. And it's like a weakness in a way to be a kind person and vulnerable and show your emotion. And I I love what you said. I think a lot of people can relate to that. And it's something to think about too, as you start managing a team, Um, you don't want to necessarily be their best friend, but my, my two assistants, we were just talking about we were talking about our hormones the other day. We were talking about birth control and we were talking about, um, you know, one was having terrible cramps and one was having terrible, like 
some syndromes with her period it was going on and off and I was mm-hmm. like I want this to be a safe place where you can talk about it um I don't want you to just I don't want to create like a power through type of environment like right that doesn't feel healthy and I think the pandemic has taught us a lot about powering through like don't go to the freaking office with a flu <laughs> I totally did yeah I don't you know those days that we probably should have stayed at home, but you felt guilty because you were letting people down. Yeah. And it's like just being a person. Like, I think we, yeah, you, you see all these TV shows, and these movies like suits and, you know, they're all so like hardcore and have no emotion and it's so cool. And that a lot of the times what people define as like a successful person, it's not somebody who's warm and can talk about their period and, and stuff like that. And it just, why is it that way? It shouldn't be that way. But yeah, I think, um, having grace for like the people that work on your team. And also my biggest piece of advice for all of that in terms of business, and this is where I sucked. And I'm so sorry for my past bosses for sucking so much because I was such a yes girl. I would say yes to, oh, you want to do this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. And I dropped the ball and I was not great at managing expectations because I wanted, if something couldn't get done. I felt like a failure and I had to do it. If I said, yes, I had to do it versus being like, Hey Tess, can you help me accomplish this? I felt, I really struggled with asking for help. Hence why I'm like obsessed with delegating now. Cause once you figure it out, like, why didn't I do that forever? Yeah. That is such a, I struggle with that still. Like you just, I don't know. You don't want to come across like you can't handle stuff. It's, it's like, can you do this? Can you do this? And it's such a good feeling when you say yes. And they're like, oh, great. Like, cause you're making someone happy by, you know, saying yes and taking more stuff on. It's really, really tough. Like to get yeah. to that point of like, you know what? Like I can do that later or not right now, or I would love to help. And those phrases like take some time, I think. <laughs> They do. They're so hard to do. Mm-hmm. I think too, that the younger you are, the less, like, you don't feel like it's okay. Like to say no, sometimes like you don't have that like feeling. You just think it's not okay. And you have to do what you're asked to do. And you can't just hand stuff off. And it, it's really, really tough. We just brought on an, a third assistant because one of my assistants is doing such a great job. And I'm really excited for her to focus more on like marketing strategy and less on the admin but she's like, oh, but I can do it, but I can do it. And I'm like, right. you're dropping the ball. Like you can't, you can't do it all. You're one person. Yeah. <laughs> give her the stuff that makes your shoulders hurt. And then it, it is a little bit of a rite of passage, but when she perfects that, then she can get, give it to someone else. And that's how you grow. Yeah. I think it's a confidence thing too. I think it's hard to feel confident, especially when you're in these like nine to five jobs. And I can't even imagine working for yourself full-time like the amount of like confidence you need to do that and even like speaking up and asking for raises and like all these sorts of things it, I think it just takes time but do you have any tips on kind of how to find your voice and find your footing and confidence in these situations yeah I think um gosh one of the things I wish I had had done more of was find someone who had been bef- before me in the job, like in the corporate job and kind of had their pointers and tips and been more transparent about like what I was making and what I wanted to be making and what position I wanted to be in and kind of negotiating and figuring it out. Um, Same thing, coaches, you know, I know there's a lot of like career coaches or executive coaches. I wish I had seen the value of investing in myself 
even when I wasn't making that much money mm-hmm. at a younger yeah. age. I think that would have been really powerful. That would have been really helpful to kind of have like a behind the scenes manager teammate that's teaching you along the way as you're like, I don't know how to manage someone. I was just given mm-hmm. a direct report. <laughs> Are they supposed to be my best friend? Are we supposed to <laughs> do everything together? Like I didn't, I didn't know how to do anything. Yeah. And so that's what I would, I would urge. I would also highly recommend, and you've probably all heard this before, but just really keep track of the successes along the way, the things in the areas that you've accomplished something amazing, or you've delivered something in a quick way. So when the time comes that it's right for you to feel like you need a, a raise or a promotion, you have all of the tools right there. And um, I even talked to, again, one of the assistants on my team. I'm like, I want to give you a raise so badly, but every time I'm about to, you kind of self-sabotage yourself. And I have that honest conversation with her. And she's like, I know I haven't pitched myself for one because I feel the same way. Mm. Um, And so like have a self-awareness too. If you feel like you're doing a good job, but you're like, I I think I'll piss someone off if I ask them for a raise because I'm not doing that great of a job. Do a great job before Mm -hmm. you go in there and ask for more money. Mm-hmm. Money's a tough one. I, I recently just asked for a raise for the first time at my job and it was terrifying. It is so scary. And it, what I did is I, I had, I was, this might be a little bit extra, but I had like a document, like four yeah. pages of like, this is what I was hired to do. This is what I'm doing now. This is Great. the glass door market value. I deserve this. Like I have a number and it went well, but I think it's scary. Like regardless, like just to do all these things. And I love what you said that those are really good. And I think, but I think being at a bigger company too, I think it's great working for someone small, at least for me, when someone asked me for a raise, I'm like, well, you know, that I'm not trying to like nickel and dime you, (laughs) you know, know, know that if for whatever reason, that person can't give you a raise in a traditional way with like more money, that there might be an opportunity for them to provide in a different way. So it could be maybe they're they're a coach and they could give you like coaching tips or maybe they could give you their time in a different way. So, um, think creatively of some other things you could ask for. Yeah, totally. That's great advice. Yeah. I think sometimes we're like, Oh wait, I didn't get my $5,000 raise. Like, you know, and that's a good point. Cause at a bigger company, a lot of the times they are kind of maybe not paying you fairly cause you're, they can afford you at a cheaper rate while they pay you more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's a really good point when it's a small business or I used to work at a charity and it's totally different. Like you have to trust your employer as much as you can. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then also to the $5,000 point, whenever someone freaks out about like, Oh my God, I got the job. I'm scared to negotiate, negotiate. Think about it. Even if it's you're like, oh, $10,000, that's so much money. No, it's not so much money. Take $10,000 divided by 365. Hold on, let me do the math right here. Divided by 365, that is $27 a day. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. so true. I've never and, even thought about it that way. I'm like mind blown right? right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> you think you're like, oh my God, I'm making 10,000. I'm so inconveniencing the person. You're like, don't give me a freaking lunch stipend then and pay me the 20, 27 extra dollars a day. Yeah. And when you think about these companies, like the last company they worked for, I think it made like 45 billion a year. Like you're 10,000 truly like is not nothing to them. Like mm-hmm. it's a huge deal to you, but I mean, to them, it's nothing. It's nothing. It, or mm-hmm. another way, it's $833 a month. Yeah. So not not super 
intimidating. Well, I'd like to break it down even more sometimes. Sorry, hold yeah. on. Uh, $208 a week extra. Yeah, like that seems so like, you know. Frivolous. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not like they're handing you a check for $10,000. They're just mm-hmm. dispersing that over your salary. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. that extra $27 a day could be a game changer for you. Yeah. And why not negotiate? I, I, I love that you said that. I can't echo that enough. I think sometimes it's like, it can even be over email or like two minute phone call. Like that two minutes could have just made you $10,000. Imagine if you didn't ask, like, and the, imagine if they just say yes, like that is just one of those moments where like, I can't believe I almost didn't ask. I think it's so funny to think about, yeah, exactly what you said, asking. And there's so many little ways to ask for things and practice every single day mm-hmm. without feeling obnoxious. And, you know, when you're at a restaurant, can you ask for a side of something? Can you ask for a side of lemon? Can you ask and just practice asking and practice what that feels like? Some people have been conditioned their whole lives not to ask for anything because that's just practice their family had was not asking. Um, same thing at a coffee shop, go to a coffee shop and be like, Hey, can I have like three extra spoons? Like, don't be obnoxious, but you know, yeah. like ask for something that for whatever reason feels a little bit uncomfortable, but like those day-to-day things can be practices and asking. Yeah. I love that. I've never heard that. That's such a good tip. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, this is a fun one. And I working in fashion saw it a lot. And I was like, oh, these entitled bitches, like, who are they to do this? But it's actually a good practice. And just like, again, knowing your worth. So say you found a shirt at a store that you loved, and then you found it at Nordstrom for cheaper. You're like, Hey, I really want to buy this shirt today. I love this store. I want to support the store, but I did see Nordstrom's having a sale and it's 20% off. Can you price match? Yeah. They can say no. Right. I've been in a store and they said no. And I go, well, okay, well, I put it down and I ordered and I walked out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like worst, worst case scenario. They say no. And you say, okay, cool. Like that's what you're terrified about. Like mm-hmm. that's the worst case scenario. And it's like, if you have a solution to the worst case, I mean, you're going to be fine. You're okay. You're yeah. okay. You can make it. I promise. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, yeah. Ask, ask and pra- practice asking. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll ask you one more question and then we'll wrap up. Um, how did you meet your husband? I would, I would love to know. I'd love these stories. Okay. Um, so I had just quit my corporate job I just was like, I'm an entrepreneur. I am going to just be focused on my business. I'm 28 years old and I, you know, no boys this year, like I'll sure date or whatnot, but like, I will not be in a relationship. I'm going to be super selfish and focused on me and my business. (laughs) And, um, so April of that year, I went to a friend's bachelorette party in in New Orleans and um, a girlfriend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. We got caught up in a conversation. We went to a music pork festival, which sounds really weird to say out loud. It was called Hogs for a Cause. And I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go home. So we positioned ourselves by like the exit, hoping to catch our friends and then we'd all go home. Didn't know there was another exit. So our friends left through the other exit. We get a text message being like, you guys went home, right? Because we can, didn't find you. We're on our way home. It's like shitty friends. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> Thanks so much. And in New Orleans at the time, so this is 2016, for whatever reason, Uber was still really limited. Like getting yeah. a car was calling a cab company. Cab companies were like cash only. It was awful. It was just a terrible, you think about life when cabs were like the only alternative to life. Yeah. 
scary dark times. <laughs> and so we were, I kept like refreshing the app and it was like zero cars available. I was like, that sucks. Mm-hmm. I have no cash. I don't, you know, like, what do we do? I saw a group of guys sitting kind of like standing on the corner closer to the street, all staring at their phone. And I was like, oh, they have an Uber. I bet you there's enough of them that we could probably like fit ourselves into their car or like take one of their cars. <laughs> and my friend's like, okay. And so I walked up and I walked up to my husband. And I was like, do you guys have an Uber by chance? I'm like, yeah. It's like, cool. It's saying no Ubers around. So it's just curious, like, could we maybe hitch a ride with you all? I would love to, you know, we're staying in this area. Oh my um, God. Like, take one of your cars from you. Yeah. And he's like, sure, I guess. And as we were talking, I kept refreshing. And ultimately I was able to catch an Uber and it was like 15 minutes away. And I was like, oh, maybe this is just the right spot to stand. So we kept standing there and talking and he is Canadian. Okay. So naturally I made fun of his accent as, <laughs> as one does. And he has had the cute one. So I, I go and I went into like, Oh, is there a soda pop explosion in IL five? Are we gonna go oh Uno Boot later tonight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, for whatever reason, amused by this. Again, this is midday daytime. Like, we're kind of drinking, but we're not wasted. And um, I also saw he was wearing a San Francisco hat. And my company, Six Degrees, at the beginning, we started expanding to all these chapters across the country. And San Francisco was next on my stop the next month. And I was like, oh my God, you're from San Francisco where you live there? It's like, yeah. He worked at the time at Words with Friends, the, oh, the game. Yeah, that's um, so cool. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, okay, do you know many women? Can you like introduce me to all the ladies, you know, because I'm launching my event. And he's like, sure, like, let's get, let's exchange numbers. So fast forward, we exchange numbers, get in our Uber, go home our separate ways. And he texted me that night. He texted me, he's like, what are you ladies getting into? He was there on a bachelor party. And um, we said, I told him that I was at the carousel bar and he walked funny enough, like as fate would have it, he was walking into the carousel bar, like as I was texting that. And so we saw him and he like bought me a bunch of drinks. And then I had a whole bag full of penises, penis straws, because <laughs> I was on a bachelorette party. Oh my God. And I put one in his drink and he took it out and it, the way he took it out, it hit me in the eye and I lost a contact and I'm like. I don't know. You wear glasses. I'm, I'm blind. I'm like negative six. I'm Marco yeah. Polo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like this the whole night, just overserved, one-eyed. Oh my god! Drinking at the storm. Um, I, you know, the one of the things I do as a networking person is always ask like where they went to college and who do we know in common. And it was shocking. We had no mutual connections. I'd never heard of his college. He went to Sheridan in Canada. Okay, yeah. I guess it's like a legit college. Yeah, it's out. a big one. Yeah. <laughs> big one. You're like, like, that's made up. <laughs> totally said that to his face. Yeah. I was like, that's not a real college. Um, added him on LinkedIn and then made out with him. And, oh my God. Uh, yeah. And then the next morning I woke up to a, a like a notification that Greg had accepted my LinkedIn request and um, a text. Me- I texted him and I was like, thank you for being friends with me on LinkedIn. He's like, I thought that was very weird. You friended me on LinkedIn before Facebook <laughs> or Instagram. And then, um, and then I said, thank you for not taking advantage of a very intoxicated lady last night. He's like, I tried to, but you yelled at me and said, I'm a lady. <laughs> and then we ended up going on a day date that day and like left our friends and walked around New Orleans sober and like got beignets and got to know each other and 
made plans to meet up in San Francisco the next month and kind of the rest is history. Two months later, I moved out to San Francisco for three weeks to try it out, see what it was like to live with him. And yeah, we got married two years ago and I moved out from New York to San Francisco in 2017, which is great. Yeah, that's crazy. I love that you added him on LinkedIn. Like, <laughs> that's when you know you're a networker. You're like, so I'm gonna get your LinkedIn. <laughs> Even in our vows, he was like, there was a moment where Emily was like dragging me bar to bar. And I had that moment where I was like, I yeah. hate when girls do this, but I, I decided to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I did. You know? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's but a crazy story. Like, what are the chances he would just be walking in? Like, I know that's nuts. I know, I know, small, small little city. And, um, you know, we, we were talking about that just the other day, the, the sliding doors effect of life, kind of like, had we not, had I not gone to the bachelorette party or had I decided to go in their car versus taking our, you know, standing where we stood and just how my whole life would be so different right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like all those little decisions lead up to like a life-changing thing. I mean, like you're still in, San Francisco, right? Like, I mean, you're, yeah, I'm not, yeah, it's not like I'm in like bumfuck USA. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I never wanted to leave New York. I was, I very adamant that he was going to move to New York. And mm-hmm. then here I am in San Francisco, but it taught me, taught me how to let go. It taught me how to delegate. It taught me how to run a business without me being the face and of the business for everything that I did. Um, taught me space. So yeah. There's so many cool lessons from it, but it is so, when you really like rewind it, how many small little decisions that had to be made when he came to New York. So he came to New York in June. And like we said, I love you very fast, which always Mm -hmm. freaks me out. I'm like, oh God, what's wrong with the person? Like, why does he love me? Mm -hmm. Oh God, have I made the wrong choice? You know, all the second guessing that happens, especially dating in New York, like you're supposed to be beaten down. This is how dating is. Like you're supposed to crave just a little glimpse of recognition. And um, I remember when he left, he changed his Facebook profile to a picture of us. Oh my God. Almost (laughs) lost my shit. I was like, oh my God. Terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying. He didn't ask my permission. It was like, my brain was having two conversations. Part of it was like, okay, talk to him, confront him, break up with him and say everything happened too fast. Right. And then this like, kind of more romantic rational side of my brain though was like why are you so scared of someone adoring you interesting why, yeah. why are you so scared of like being loved yeah why why what's the worst can happen if you like give this relationship a chance I was like oh, okay and luckily that one was stronger that day because oh my god yeah and I tell him to this day I was like who were, what were you thinking you almost ruined it yeah <laughs> he was very confident <laughs> So confident yeah I was yeah. like I that confidence but did you know like right away like this is it this is this is the one not in in New Orleans I felt a spark but then when we were in it also also like as fast as it happened it wasn't like I feel like I've been in relationships that were so hot and heavy and you're like let's go to Paris this weekend and right you know like it felt yeah. those felt more like the potential in a way but there was a lot of groundingness and stableness in the approach that he took with me and I took with him. Um, and I think it, in a way I laid all my cards on the table right away. And that was the differentiator versus 
And this might've been because I was an entrepreneur where I was like, look, buddy, here's what I want. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, that's such a cute story. I, I love hearing stories like that. And I love it. Not an app. We, you know, yeah. if you're on the apps and you, I mean, the apps are great. I've met wonderful individuals on the apps, but I think I made a moment. I made a decision. Like when that time came to meet someone, I was like, I'm going to get off the apps and just put myself out there. And the, the last three people I had dated, I all met in person. It's true. Like, uh, like I find that a lot of my friends are on the app, but they met their long-term partner, like mm-hmm. somewhere else, like in the, in the wild, I guess. In the wild. Back yeah. In the, day. the yeah. apps are great. I, I definitely, I remember like a serious boyfriend and I breaking up and the apps had just come out and I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, not even this is my time. Person. <laughs> yeah. I'm like dopamine hit dopamine. Yeah. Hit. <laughs> this is great. Swipe, swipe, swipe. It was, it's fun, but yeah, have fun in your twenties. It's great that you're in a relationship for those that are single though. And they're like, Oh my God, when am I going to find my person? Stop. Like just stop caring and stop giving so much pressure to this potential person, mystical person that we don't know when or where and enjoy your life. Like have lots of sex, meet lots of people, have lots of adventures. I always say that like, I'm very grateful in our relationship and that I look back on my twenties and I'm like, I feel like I did everything I wanted to accomplish in terms of dating. I dated the, the model, the actor, the finance guy, like, you know, he did the whole kit and caboodle. Um, and I feel very secure in my relationship because of that. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. I love that. I also just caveat relationships. When you're doubting a relationship, your body knows, like if you're not a hundred percent sure mm-hmm. about something you don't have to talk it through with 10 different people. Your body will know, you'll know physically, you're, you'll know sexually, like your body will tell you that it is not the right relationship mm-hmm. and just listen to it. Don't try to convince yourself. Otherwise, if for whatever reason, he's a good guy or whatnot, maybe he's your person down the road, but listen to your body. Yeah. I think so too. That quote of like, when you know, you know, he's the one it goes mm-hmm. the other way too. Like when you know, you know, it's the wrong person. Like you, mm-hmm. you just do deep down. I, I love that you said that too. Yeah. Just permission to, it, it could have all, he could have, he or she or whatnot could have all the qualifications on, on paper or, or whatnot, or fit every box that you desire. But I had a girlfriend who recently called off her engagement and she's like, her body was going into spasms. No way. Yeah. Like she was having all these physical things happening to her and you just, you're not, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. You almost like your energy, like rejects the situation you're in. Like, it's like, we need to do something else. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, Okay. I think that's everything we can get into today. I, I'm so like excited for people to hear this episode. Um, oh, I hope it. I hope it's helpful, and I'd love to yeah. hear like what resonated the most. And please shoot me a DM if anything resonated or any questions. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um. Let everyone know like your Instagram, yeah. everything. Like where can people find you? So you can follow me personally at Emily A Merrill M E R R E L L or at six underscore degrees underscore society. And then I'd also, if this is kosher for you, I'd love to offer everyone a free event to come check out. Yeah. Event. So okay. all of our events are digital now. Um, we have people all over the country and actually a lot of Canadians coming as well. Okay. And you can use code virtual SDS at checkout. Uh, same goes to you, Tess. You're, you have to come to one. You have not come yes. to one. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> you need to come. <laughs> yeah, you need to come. I promise you will love it. Okay, well, I'll link all of that um, 
in the note the show notes as well and on our instagram of course when this goes live um but thank you so much for coming on this was so fun i like i said i could talk to you forever so <laughs> thank Likewise. you thank you for such good thoughtful questions it was it was really <laughs> fun to think back to and be like what would i do differently who am yeah. i <laughs> yeah no totally Okay. Well, um, cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. And like I said, we'll link everything in the show notes and on our Instagram and we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.